This episode is dedicated to all the men and women that did not come home. So many times we often don't realize the gift of Memorial Day is that we did come home and we get to celebrate that gift as family. We get to understand what it feels like to feel our kids love again and for our kids to feel their father's love again. And for those that didn't come home, it is up to us to create a legacy, a connection with our family that is worthy of the gift that they gave us when they did not come home. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad. This is episode 124, and on this special day, Memorial Day, we've got a special episode with a senior executive at USAA, a retired 35-year Navy Admiral, John Byrd. Despite let less than half of Americans, 43% have an understanding the true meaning of Memorial Day, and many confusing it with Veterans Day, the majority of Americans, 83%, do believe it's important to do something to commemorate Memorial Day. USAA, a financial service provider founded nearly 99 years ago by military members, continues to serve the military community and their families, created a digital poppy wall to honor those that didn't come home and give a chance to honor remember those fallen. Their experience found at poppyinmemorial.com, a link for that down in the show notes as well for you, offers visitors the opportunity to dedicate a virtual poppy in honor of loved ones that they've lost in service to our country. Additionally, the website includes information about why the poppy has become a symbol of remembrance, the ability to learn about each military conflict and the losses suffered, and the several other ways Americans can honor through action this year. This is the second consecutive year that USAA has held this virtual experience, which, due to the pandemic, has replaced the physical poppy wall of honor that was installed on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. in 2018 and 19. This episode is a little bit shorter than normal, but John does not disappoint. He lays some pretty good wisdom down on us about what his 35-year career within the Navy meant, how he connected with the family, how he still has a strong, thriving family through that, and how he's used his determination and the seeds that his father gave him through his wisdom of his dad to continue to build and ask better questions through life. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode, and I will see you on the other side if you want to hear my big takeaway. Welcome to the podcast, John. Oh, thanks, man. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me. I almost feel bad because I haven't done a lot of research on Purple Ribbons, and when this interview opportunity came up, I was like, what a great way to fix and remedy this, because what you do is help bring awareness to Purple Ribbons and Memorial Day. So could you tell us a bit more about yourself and what made the Purple Ribbon something that you were passionate about? Well, actually, it's uh, the red poppy in terms of how we celebrate Memorial Day, uh, my background is I've uh, done, I did 35 years in the United States Navy. And after uh, a career in the Navy, I was fortunate and blessed to be hired by USA in San Antonio. And we, uh, being a company founded by the military for the military, it's in our DNA to advocate for Veterans Day, Armed Forces Day, and especially Memorial Day, the day, as you know, we, the one day a year, we step back and say, let's remember the men and women who gave their lives 
uh, for our freedoms and for the liberties we enjoy. The poppy is the semblance of remembrance, not only in the United States for Memorial Day, but across the Commonwealth, Britain, Canada, Australia for Remembrance Day, which occurs on November 11th. For me, this Memorial Day is something every year I dive deeper into for the context of fatherhood. And this year, I've really even went a little bit deeper to kind of symbolize that like people often relate Memorial Day to barbecues and family time. But to me, what I've really focused on is Memorial Day can be about barbecues and family because it, when you're celebrating family, you're actually celebrating and remembering the family that's no longer here. Maybe someone from World War II that gave their life that you're here, whatever it may be. But you're also celebrating that gift of what they gave you as that sacrifice. Do you find a similar meeting in, in Memorial Day for that? I absolutely do. You know, Memorial Day is traditionally the first day of summer, as you said, barbecues, sales and stuff. And we as Americans should take the time to enjoy ourselves. But to your point, recognize we are doing that because of those men and women that gave their lives. And it's an opportunity, you know, around the barbecue or what have you, to share a moment or two with family and friends about the significance of the day. You know, another Marine, uh, famous Marine, General John Kelly, uh, who many people know about, spoke to us on one particular Memorial Day, and he said something I thought was poignant. He said, you know, Memorial Day is for the nation to remember, but the families of the fallen, they don't have to be reminded. They remember every day, every hour, every minute from the moment they got the very tragic and horrific news of the loss of their soldier, sailor, airmen. So I think that's something to think about as we do enjoy our Memorial Day. And there is a lesson that I learned in an odd way. I was watching Coco, the Disney movie, and it's a, it's a movie about the Day of the Dead. But in this, it hit me a lesson that I've learned within veterans and community, and it kind of comes together on Memorial Day, is that a veteran is only forgotten when people no longer remember their name. And that's the Day of the Dead celebration, is they celebrate the people that are no longer there so that the stories of their life never get forgotten. And to me, that's like the true meaning of Memorial Day, is making sure that these names of our own family tree never get forgotten, that people understand what kind of person that they were, and so that these lessons continued to be passed down. And as long as we keep doing that, and as long as we keep sharing stories, we can keep giving that gift of remembrance and making sure that that person's sacrifice doesn't go wasted, and that we always gift that gift to families. Because to me, like all of what we do is for our family. Like at the end of the day, almost all the service that we do, especially if you have a family, you're doing it outside to make sure that someone comes home to their family. And those that didn't, it's just important to make sure we remember those gifts and sacrifices that come to fruition there. Yeah, you, you said it so very well. And I remember thinking about this and talking to someone. And, you know, if you think about it, we can never thank them or those families enough for what they did. Uh, but what we can do is never forget. And it's been said the greatest casualty of war would be being forgotten. So we can't do that. And another thing that comes to mind is, you know, they gave their lives, but the meaning of that gift is up to us to carry forward. And if we forget it, we kind of take away the meaning of the life. If we celebrate their heroic action and what they did for us, it adds meaning and value. So, you know, if you one of the poems we talk about is in Flanders Field, which is why the poppy came about. But uh, Miss Michaels, Monia Michaels wrote a we shall keep the faith. And the point being is we must continue to remember. And that's why we wear the poppy as that symbol of remembrance. 
And I love what you're talking about here because USAA is helping add oxygen to this idea of remembrance and making sure because the, the worst part and also the best part of Memorial Day is it is a commercialized holiday. But then there is this other layer that we all remember, like no one really forgets that Memorial Day is about the people that have fallen. But we don't really do enough time talking about adding that value to the story. And one of the things that I talk about a lot on the podcast is about the value of our story as a dad. And that one of the worst case scenarios is it's your funeral, your kids are there, and they learn from a friend a story about you. And that's the first time that they got to know their dad. And so to me, the power of storytelling on Memorial Day is one that really can do wonders because when you hear the grit of, say, someone that died in World War II or what my grandfather was like that died in Vietnam, these stories can fuel generations into the future. And family is our legacy is the motto of this podcast because everything we do as a dad is switching from the legacy of our service, which once it's over, it's over. But your legacy is your family. And it's those stories, it's remembrance, and it's Memorial Day in a way that helps make sure that legacy is something that isn't even just measured in your lifespan. If you properly remember, repeat these stories, and understand the wisdom that's passed down through these family generations, you're talking about generational legacy. That's something measured well beyond your life in decades and centuries, not just within your own life. Uh, ben, I couldn't agree more. And uh, as a father, uh, totally agree with that. But I can remember vividly uh, my father, who was a Navy veteran, him sharing stories and talking to me about men and women that he knew of lost in combat, true brothers, brothers in arms at the time. And him, a man who was very stoic, getting emotional, telling these stories. I mean, coming to tears. And that was a remarkable event for me to see my father that way. But to your point, it signaled to me in the strongest terms how important it was, how meaningful that service was, how significant the sacrifice is. And when your father passes that to you, you know, it's indelible. It, it sticks with you forever. So I think you're right about the storytelling of a father to his children, to his family, uh, not only his own experience, but other experiences and the value he sees in that. I absolutely love that principle. And it's, man, your your dad knew what he was doing there. Maybe he didn't, but he was doing something that really imprinted on your heart because this is one of the reasons why I love military dads specifically is we've lived rich lives, not in the kinds of money, but within the understanding and depths of how the world works and what really is important. And it's stories that can help influence our kids to really go out in the world, do bigger things, do better things and dream bigger. And I would find a hard time arguing that that's not exactly what you did. I mean, you climbed to Admiral within the Navy. You now help the USAA as an executive and you continue to do more because of those stories and richness that were gifted and planted so early on that those seeds are still growing. And those are some mighty oaks that those stories imprinted on your life. Well, thank you. You're too kind. And serving our country, as you well know, was an honor and a privilege. And I kept serving because of the men and women I served with, you know, going to work or underway, deployed, but being with them every day gave me energy and new meaning. So that's what it was all about for me. And over 35 years, that's what I remember is the men and women I served with. Is there a story that you can remember or like highlight from your story that maybe you've shared with your, your own kids? Uh, I think uh, nothing specifically. You know, I used to share with my son and my daughter, my son a little bit more so. 
you know, he, he, he was fascinated to know about what happened on the submarine, what we did. I, I, I kidded uh, people that my son didn't necessarily follow ball scores or how team sports went, but he knew how each submarine in the squadron was doing toward what we call the Battle E competition and how his father's submarine was doing. Uh, the one blessing I cherish the most is at my retirement, I can honestly look at my children and then look at the audience and say, they made me understand that they were proud of what I did and not resentful of my absence. And so that to me was successful, very successful in the sense that they saw that as a duty and a service to the nation and the sacrifice that, you know, minor, uh, albeit to them, me not being around was very important. And, you know, that's, that's something you can cherish, right? When your kids think what you're doing is important enough that you can be away for long periods of time. And they wouldn't have had that wisdom had you not kind of opened up your life to for them to see what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Because there is a admiral out there that crosses the retirement finish and maybe for the first time he has an opportunity to finally get to know his kids. Like there is the opposite side where people retire and this is the very first time that like their kids are 18 almost and they're like, okay, now I can go home and figure out what was going on. And it's important. And I really wanted to highlight what you were able to do there because not everybody has that mindset, but you doing it in itself, I'm sure the people around you also had that example of family first versus the other mindset of work first. Yeah, we can't overlook that I married up and have an incredible wife of 40 years who's an even a better mom who reinforced that very thing to our children when I was gone. So thanks for saying that to me, but she deserves uh, probably about 95% of the credit. But just knowing that it's a team, knowing, uh, communicating, like even just having a communication dialogue, not shutting down your life, not sh like creating a firewall. I mean, these are the things that almost prevent these people that are here in your life, like your spouse, to be supportive, that you need to be able to talk about things. You need to be able to share what's going on. And it's a team effort. And we don't, we often forget that as dad, because we feel like we need to have the weight of the world. I mean, you literally had the weight of the world on your shoulders as an admiral, and you still had to be humble enough to go home and ask for help and to be able to understand what's really at stake when you don't have the world in your shoulders when you go home and realizing you're not going to have all the answers in this building, but maybe in this other building, I do. Well, uh, again, uh, my wife made it clear exactly who I was when I crossed that threshold. There was no doubt who was the real admiral in that family. But yeah, she uh, she kept me humble and she kept me on the straight and narrow. So yeah, but I appreciate that. It's uh, Again, it was a wonderful experience to serve our country, as you know, and uh, I'm thankful I had the opportunity. As a leader, with as an admiral, were there any like different sayings or principles that you often like to lead by and make sure that your officers under you understood about how to balance family and the military? Uh, I knew that if their, yes, I knew that if uh, their family wasn't taken care of, if they didn't feel good about their family and their family situation, you know, we're about to deploy, is everything squared away at home? Do they have the help they need? I knew they could not serve well. They would be distracted. They could not focus on the mission. You cannot protect your country. You cannot serve your country if you're worried about your family. And so that meant we had to make sure we took the time to think about the family readiness, both before we left, and then again, we had a great spouse network that looked after each other and we stayed in communication. And by doing that, 
I knew they would serve well. But the minute, a, in my case, it was all men on submarines, was concerned about their family, they no longer were effective in doing the mission. So I'm interested to ask this next question because I think it's going to be a 50-50, but I want to hear your answer. Not everyone thinks like that, and the culture within the military doesn't always breed that type of thinking. So is that more of your dad, or was there more of like an early leader in your life that gave you the wisdom and the mentorship to kind of reframe how you were becoming a leader? I think a little of both. I mean, my father certainly understand that in his career. It became clear to me that he always put uh, family first. And by putting family first, it didn't mean he stayed at home. He went and did the job, but he didn't go do the job if everything wasn't where it needed to be on the home front. And then throughout my career, I was blessed with exceptional leaders who passed that along. And also, in, you know, quite frankly, you serve 35 years, you have a family, you have kids, you kind of go together. It becomes self-evident, right? You yourself don't serve when you're worried about your family. And there were instances where we moved overseas or did different things where if I felt concerned, I knew I couldn't do my job. So you take the time off, square away things at home, and then you come in and give it your all. If there is a officer out there listening to this podcast that struggles with that, what wisdom would you share with that officer? You know, I, I think uh, they'd have to analyze why they're struggling with it. But I think if they're honest with themselves, they will agree with it. And then two, they have to be genuine and honest with their superiors if they have that situation. And I'll also be perfectly candid. You know, I had many men and women working for me who could never get that balance because a spouse was challenged to deal with the separation, special needs, children, et cetera. And then the right answer for them was to leave the service. I mean, you, you can't sacrifice your family to serve your country. So if you can't rectify the situation, and in many instances you can, then you probably need to do something else because I think the focus of your podcast is, you know, we got to be fathers first. And so if whatever you're doing prevents you from being a father first, and that's a complex question, but we have to answer it, then you can't do it anymore and you got to get on with being a father. So that's what I would give them as advice. What I hear in that is radical honesty with yourself, probably maybe for the first time in your military career, because there's a lot of dads that I've interviewed on this podcast where they were on their road to 20 because that's the common path and that's what you're told to do. And it's sold at this unicorn and rainbows place that once you cross that your family's there, everything's going to be perfect. But there's people that realize that like year 12 and 13, like if I go to 20, they're not going to be here. Oh, oh, exactly right. And I know too many tragic cases of just that. I know cases too, where uh, men and women have been married, done a full career and literally days after retirement, there's a divorce. And you kind of got to ask yourself, what's that all about? I mean, is that really worth it? And the answer is, of course not. You did this incredible journey together. It should have made you stronger as a couple uh, to enjoy those golden years, if you will, not break you apart. So that's not right. And you've got to work hard to prevent that, you know, to reinforce that relationship so that doesn't happen. And there is also a question that I've been using more and more of when I get stuck on a question or when I get stuck on what should I do, I always ask myself, what am I going to wish I did 20 years from now? And I think with that context, 20 years from now, even if you're collecting a government pension and maybe trying to find your next job or trying to find a way not to be bored, 
you're going to realize that 20 years from the future, I'm going to wish I spent more time with my kids. I mean, I've rewired my life as a stay-at-home dad during Corona as a way that my kids are nine, six, and four. There's no way 20 years from now, I'm not going to wish I made as much time as possible to be dad and just enjoy this moment as much as possible. And so I've dug in even deeper and really trying to figure out and rewire my psyche to make this possible because I knew that these the, the, 10 years and below, like those are the years that every dad wants back, but nobody really tells you that until they're gone. And you're like, well, if someone would have told me that was going to be the way I would have slowed down and pay attention. Well, that's not how life works always. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you've kind of got to approach what you're doing with the uh, end in mind. So draw the picture, write down what you want to see 20 years from now, and then ask yourself, what am I doing to ensure that outcome? And if it's a great relationship, a happy marriage, a well-balanced, uh, thoughtful, you know, uh, children and young adults. What am I doing now to ensure that outcome? And I think that starts to take care of itself if you're honest about those answers. So one more question, because you've been in, you were in the Navy, you were also part of the submarine. So you were on deployments with, like for longer than times than just like a regular TAD. What was some of your best coming home advice to reintegrating to the family? Because this is one that's almost like a trip hazard. Like once you get past the initial honeymoon phase of the videos you always see on the news, then the real work begins. What's your piece of advice from that point of view? Yeah, I, I think that's a great thing to think about. Well, there's been a couple things we've talked about that do it. One is absolutely share what happened on deployment. Tell as much of the story. I mean, oftentimes it was classified, but we had port visits and the like. So share that. They're interested. And if you don't share in it, then they're not a part of that experience. And, you know, that's relationship building. Similarly, review what they did. Find out what happened in their lives. You know, go back into detail and your wife will be one uh, discussion. Younger kids will be something different. Are there pictures they took, even though they shared them with you? Dig into that. And then one big thing is the family typically falls into a different routine when dad is not there. Um, mom, in the case of a man uh, or a female for a spouse, becomes, you know, kind of the whole parent thing. And you've got to slide back into that slowly. You can't come in and say, this is the rule set. This is the way we're doing things. They've been doing it a certain way. And so it's kind of like taking over in any organization. Watch how it's going. It may be different than you were used to and different and you want to make some adjustments, but watch it for a while. Don't disrupt the apple cart right away. And, and I think if you do all that and express um, great appreciation for what they did while you were gone, that will go a long way. Well, one, I want to first want to like, just thank you for validating something that I've talked about a lot in the podcast. And I've kind of coined it as an empathy bridge of building a connection of what was life like while you're gone? Did you miss any arguments with a boyfriend that your teenager needed you there and you weren't there for? Were there issues with a girlfriend? Were there issues with bullies that you weren't there to have dad kind of walk you through that? And by each understanding what life was like, then you can meet in the middle on that bridge and move forward together. And the other, Alan, I'm wondering if this was something you had struggled with that like when you came home, how much you really wished it was something as simple as changing the con on the submarine of like, okay, I'm here. Let's change the con. He has the con now. And, but like, that's not how life works. And that's part of the, like the downside of the military is it's so easy sometimes just to switch that command, even a 20 minute change of command ceremony. And you're like, man, why isn't it not like this, like within family, but it, that's, it's more dichotomy. It's more just uh, an integrated life within family than it is something as simple as a change of command. 
You're exactly right. And if you're if your wife, like in my case, is doing a spectacular job, don't screw with success. There are things you can do that she'll want you to do. You don't necessarily need to disrupt the routine she's established. So you're absolutely right. Sharing those experience will make the uh, absence seem a lot less. And you're not going to share them all at once. It's going to be over a period of weeks and stuff that really strange moments. Maybe while you're shaving, your son walks in, you know, it's not a dedicated, let's sit at the table and share every moment while I was gone. It's sort of, you know, something happens, you, something is referred to, and then you have that discussion and that's powerful. I've just been started going on walks. with just my oldest daughter who's nine and like the amount of questions she's asking and just the curiosity to different things. Like it's just kind of created this nice intimate moment where we can talk about a lot of different things. Like she's got some friend issues at school that she's working through and those moments, like I have no idea where they're headed, but I'm positive those moments are creating. And there's something I talk about being there for the small things in life. So later in life, they bring you the big things. And it's important when you come home as a dad from those deployments to kind of catch back up on those small things. Cause those big things are going to happen. And even if you weren't there for the small things, you still want to try to make that deposit and connection that you can trust me with the small things and I won't get angry. I won't get upset and we can work on it together because there's going to be big things in life and you still want to be that trusted person. And you don't want to be resentful for the military, not or kind of taking away that trust when you still have the ability to be there for it. That's well said. And the thing you have to remember with children in particular is, you know, there was a saying years ago about, it's more about quality time. But remember, the children often pick the quality time. And it may not be what you think it is, right? It may not be that trip to the zoo. In fact, it may be a walk with dad, just me and dad. I, my, one of my very first things I started preaching in the podcast was kids spell love T-I-M-E. And you can make a deposit with time in as little as 10 minutes and change their world the entire day. Exactly. So well said. Even just this morning, but after the kids got on the bus, I've been going on like a 15 minute bike ride for my daughter and I'll get back and I'm like, wow, it's only 830 and we just went on a bike ride and she's as happy as can be. And that's like, it's so simple when you focus on it, but it can feel like work and it can feel like something that you're stressing about, but that's just your ego telling you inside that you, you can't do it, but you really can. You just got to give yourself permission to do it. Again, well said. Good advice, man. Very good advice. Well, John, I really appreciate you sharing your story of remembrance and the poppy and Memorial Day message that you have with us today and just your, your dad's story of what it could do for other dads out there, because I think you are an inspiration to other people that are looking for career minded military careers and being able to know that like you can have family with you at the top and at the end and still thrive through that process and that it's not just this one or the other, but you've got to have that radical honesty of do you have everything in order at home so that you can do it? And if you don't, then it's not something worth writing that check for because you never get another chance to get it back. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you for your time and sharing your story. And thank you so much for doing such a great podcast. I really appreciate you thinking about the importance of military dads, veteran dads, and helping out. That's wonderful. First, thank you for taking this time to listen to this episode on Memorial Day. I know this can be a heavy time of year. I know that this can be a really hard time of the year. Know that you are not alone, that your brothers are out there feeling some of the same things that you are. I encourage you to reach out to a battle buddy, someone that you know or you haven't talked to in a while that might be suffering from some of the same feelings that you do. There is a lot of growth that can happen when you find that shared misery of that pain that you're going through. Because when you feel in your heart that you're not the only one going through what you're going through, that feeling that can just leave you with this feeling of being free, 
of the burden that you might be carrying, the pressure that you might be feeling, or just the heaviness of what you've got going on. So my big takeaway from this episode is kind of an overarching one, where it was very validating to hear John come on the podcast and talk about his 35-year military experience and kind of tell me essentially that what we put together here in this podcast, the things we talk about, the principles that we've defined, they're all really part of the military transition. Now, for me, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I didn't have a family in the military. I didn't actually have any experience coming home with military family. And I've learned what I've learned through interviewing other military families and dads on this podcast. And this podcast episode with John really validated the whole overarching meeting and that what John talks about has been validated by dad, by over and over and over again, that what we do here within family, within the military, it all matters. But as we focus on what we leave behind, you can see how John's life has unfolded in a way that continues to impact his kids and his legacy of family first, even while going through a 35-year military career and having to make hard choices. But then I love that advice where he tells the officer or the enlisted person listening to that, find that question, is this the right time? What is the true cost of staying? And always err on family. Guys, I hope that if you're listening to this on Memorial Day, that you find your peace, that you find ability to honor the ones that maybe in your life didn't come home, to honor the family that in your family's tree maybe served their country and didn't come home. That is the best way that we can memorialize the people that didn't come home. And if you didn't hear my Fatherhood Friday from last week, I read a blog post that I did over on City Dad's group of what means to me for Memorial Day, and it speaks to civilian and non-civilian if you're listening to this as well. There is a link for that in the show notes on that Fatherhood Friday if you want to go check out that blog post. Guys, have an amazing week. I hope that Memorial Day was everything that you hoped it would be and you had some great connection with family, and I'll be back again to talk to you on Friday. Friday.